I want you to turn your Bible, Proverbs chapter 1, and let me just say a word or two more, and I'll get right into the message. Thank you. Boy, that refrigerator was full over there. One day we got to go eat rainbow trout. Man, you talk about something good. I couldn't help but think about Jonah every time I took a bite of those good fish. But it was a blessing. Everything's been wonderful. Thank you. And Brother Billy, I want to thank you for all the blessings just coming. I came here 42 years ago. I know you don't think I look over 50, but I was here 42 years ago preaching. Amen. And I'm glad we could come back and be in this great church. God bless you. All right, Proverbs chapter 1. Will you stand with me all over the house for the reverencing of the reading of the Word of God? Listen to what the Bible said, book of Proverbs chapter 1, verse 24. Because I've called and you refused, I've stretched out my hand and no man regarded, but ye have said it not at all my counsel, and with none of my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh, and when your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me. But I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For they have hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all of my reproof. Now here Solomon is telling about this last time that God will call a man. He, he, you know, Solomon wrote three books in the Bible. He wrote the first book when he was a young man, and in love he wrote about the Song of Solomon. That's a blessed book. Then when he got a little older and got some wisdom, he wrote the book of Proverbs. And then when he got to be an old fool, he wrote Ecclesiastes. But here he gives you a picture of the call when God calls a man. God said, because I'll call. God's the one that does the calling. I remember when he called me, Brother Billy, and I was just a little old boy. I didn't know about what God was trying to do. But thank God one night I answered that call. And he said, I've called, and you've heard and answered me. Would you be seated all over the house, everyone seated, every head bowed, every eye closed, and in just a moment I'm going to bring you the message, and I trust it will be a real blessing. Father, I want to thank you for this week that we've enjoyed here at West Court. Lord, it's been so good just to fellowship with the people of God and to come in the presence of the Holy Ghost where people are not afraid to worship in spirit and in truth and where people will let the Holy Ghost have his right away. Now, Lord, as we come to bring this all-important sermon, I pray that somebody will hear God's altar call tonight. I pray that somebody will be pricked by the Holy Ghost and that the Spirit of God shall lead them to this altar, and that they might find salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you again for every blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Beloved, I want you to look this way. And for a few minutes, I'm going to speak to you on God's last altar call. You know where it's found in the Bible? Revelation 22, verse 17 says... 
And the Spirit and the bride say, come. The Spirit has got to say, come. You cannot come to God until the Spirit of the Lord calls you. And what a wonderful day when the Spirit and then the bride's the church. And thank God for this church. I'm glad for his pastor, and I'm glad for the men and the women that make up the body of this church. Thank God. I praise the Lord for 33 years this man has given his life. This man has stood when many of you didn't know he was standing. And I appreciate Billy Bryant. I thank God for him. It's a blessing. But notice the Bible said, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, let him that heareth say come. Let him that's a thirst say come, and whosoever will. Let him come and take of the water of life freely. Did you know in the Bible the little word C-O-M-E is found over 600 times? You think about how many times God said to this old wayward, depraved, and wicked world, come if you're tired and I'll give you rest. Hallelujah. He said, come if you're hungry, and I'll give you bread that you'll never, never hunger anymore. He said, come if you're dirty, and I'll cleanse you in the blood of the Lamb. And when they got to singing that tonight, boy, I'll tell you, bless my soul, it's still the blood. I know a crowd in this country of liberals, and they don't believe in the blood, but it's still effective. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Over a hundred years ago, a man that had tried to commit suicide, eleven times he'd cut his wrist, and he walked down the streets of London. And as he walked down, he heard a little band playing, and an old preacher got up on the street corner and preached on, When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And that man followed that little band and that preacher down to a little mission. And there he heard the story about the blood. A year and a half later, he wrote this immortal hymn, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. And the dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. But there may I, so vile as he, have all of my sins washed away. Brother, that's wonderful. And I'm glad that the Bible says, come if you're weary. Come if you're tired. Come if you're dirty. Thank God he can cleanse you white as snow. And what a blessing that is tonight. There's a little boy in the Bible. And uh, he went over to see an old backslidden priest. And he came to Eli's house, and little Samuel said, I'd like to stay all night with you tonight. And old Eli said, I haven't heard God speak in a long time. When you go to bed, if he calls you, uh, answer him. And that little boy went to bed and pulled the cover up around his head, and God spoke down from heaven and said, Samuel! Samuel, it scared him to death, and he jumped out of bed, ran down to the old backslidden Eli, and he said, I heard him calling, did you call me Eli? Eli said, no, go back and get in bed, I didn't call you. That little boy ran and got back in bed, pulled the cover up, and God said the second time, uh, Samuel, 
Samuel. And he jumped out of bed and ran back down to Eli's quarters. And he said, did you call me? And he said, no. Go back and get in bed. And the next time he calls you, you say, here I am. I'm right here. That little old boy went and got back in bed, pulled the cover up, and God said, Samuel, Samuel, I'm calling you. He looked up and said, here I am. What a blessing it is to be identified and recognize the call of God Almighty. But I want you, if you have your pencils tonight, I want to give you five ways that God calls man. Now, God doesn't call in many ways that people are trying to say today. You say, how does God call? First, He calls through preaching. Hallelujah. I like a church that believes in preaching the Word. And the Bible said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that God chose the foolishness of preaching to save those that believe. I had an old pastor years ago. I didn't get saved there in the church. But he'd stick that old finger out and he'd say, You low-down sinner, you ought to be in hell. And I'd go home and I'd say, Mama... How did Mr. Phillips know all about me? Well, I'll tell you how, because he was preaching and God showed him how. I, I love preaching. I'll tell you, when I go to church, I want to hear a preacher get up, roll up his sleeves, bless God, pick up the Bible, spit in the devil's face, and preach so that people will know that God is trying to say something to them. Thank God for this pulpit. It's a preaching pulpit. And I'm glad that God chose preaching. Bible said in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 1, in those days came John preaching. He didn't come giving camel rides, bless God, he came preaching, wiping honey out of his mouth and sugar cane out of his hair. And he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'll tell you, we need about six months of old-fashioned hellfire and damnation preaching in this country, mister. We need to preach sin as it is. Salvation by grace. The Spirit of God are filling people. And brother, when you go to a church and they don't believe in the Holy Ghost, it's dead at four o'clock in the morning, and it's a sad thing. But when you go into a church and God manifests Himself in the power of the Holy Ghost, you believe and say, Hallelujah. That preacher was connected in. That preacher preached the Word of God. I tell, I don't know if I'm wrong, my wife will correct me. Twenty some revivals in the East Side Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia, with Dr. Guy Rainwater. And I remember going there year after year in that great church and preaching. But one night, I got ready to walk up in a pulpit, and a lady stepped up and said, Brother Mays, I brought a boy from Georgia Tech. He's a skeptic, and he wants to find out how many mistakes you're going to make. Well, I said, I'm glad you brought him. said, he's got a little yellow notebook. And he's going to write down when you say something he doesn't believe. And I said, well, how could a skeptic, you know what a skeptic is? He said, there might be a God. There may be a God, mister. There's no maybe about it. I'm glad that he sits on the throne of heaven. And there is a God. And that man said the Bible might be the word of God. He was skeptical. Boy, I said, I believe every chapter, every verse, every line. I even believe the backside where it says, Holy Bible. Hallelujah. 
And I might as well get this in while I'm here. I believe in the 1611 King James Version of the Bible. Amen. I don't believe in all these perversions they got out now. Praise God. I believe this is God's inspired Word for the church of the living God tonight. And I'm going to preach it. I told him the other night, I said, you know what that NIV means? It means non-inspired version. Say amen. That's God, I don't believe they're inspired. But I will tell you this one. I've carried it all these years. And thank the Lord, it'll convert the sinner. It'll strengthen the saints. It'll bless the soul, this preaching out of the old King James Version. What a blessing that is. You know, this old skeptic sat there, and every night I was a preaching, he'd write down something on that yellow pad. And he'd say, mm-mm, and write down something, and I'd say, uh-huh, bless God, whether you believe it or not, bless God, it's so. And I was a preaching, and every night he'd come, and he'd sit there and write down and say, uh-uh, and I'd say, uh-huh, bless God, it's so, whether you believe it or not. Saturday night, Fred C. Maple said to the choir, stand. And when they stood, they started to sing. That old boy from Georgia Tech threw that yellow notebook in the air and said, i got to get saved right now. Praise God, I want to tell you, we had a shouting good time. And I said, what caused you to want to be saved? He said, when I got back into dormitory at Georgia Tech, I could see you preaching. He said, preaching is what brought me to this place. Let me tell you, mister, we need preaching in these days in which we live. Because Paul said, preach the word. But preaching is that which will have the call of God upon it. Not only preaching, but God calls, my friend, to pray in loved ones. Aren't you glad somebody prayed for you? That that little old mother and dad got out on their knees. We were up there today, and Brother Billy said, Over there, my granny used to get down on her knees, and she'd have the Bible in one hand, and she'd pray. Thank God I'm glad that somebody prayed for me. Somebody wouldn't let heaven go. Somebody said, Bless God, I'm going to pray till the light breaks through. And what a blessing. I used to have broadcasting for Jesus. How many of you remember when I had that? Raise your hand if you remember it. All over the house. Well, I had two boys that sang this song, Just Keep On Praying. And I, I, I hate to tell you, there was Presbyterian. Some of you think nobody Baptist is going to get to heaven. Bless God, if you're on the blood, you're going to heaven. Amen? But they'd sing every day, Just Keep On Praying till the light breaks through. And, mister, when you keep on praying and interceding and calling on God, something's going to happen. I like First Samuel chapter 1. The Bible speaks of this woman named Hannah. And she went into the temple. And the Bible said her soul was empty. And her soul, mister, was bitter toward God because there was no hope in her soul. And she went over to the altar that old preacher standing over there couldn't understand her. She didn't open her mouth, but words went to God. And he said, she's drunk. And did you know if you'll get full of the Holy Ghost, mister, a lot of people will think that you are drunk. you get full of the Holy Ghost. Why did you like that shouting over there? I liked it. I understand your daddy used to shout just like that in this church. Thank God for a daughter who followed that old fashion. 
shouting daddy and won't be ashamed of it. And praising God, but prayer was made. And Hannah said, God, if you'll give me a boy, I'll give him back to you. And then she made this promise in prayer. He'll live for thee all the days of his life. And when you read about Samuel in the Bible, he was always living for the Lord. I wish I could go back, and I know this is theological in, uh, you know, untrue, and you couldn't do it, but I'd like to go back and get saved at six months old and shout, kick out the slats in the crib at nine months, jump out the first year and run around the room and say, I'm saved and sealed by the Spirit of the living God. What a wonderful thing that would be. But praying loved ones will get your children to God. Praying loved ones will cause your children to think about their lost condition and how that they are trampling the blood of the Son of God. But God calls through preaching, and then He calls through praying loved ones, and then He calls, my friend, through the precious Holy Ghost. Did you know you'll never, never be saved until you're quickened by the Holy Ghost? Man thinks he can save himself. If you hear some of these liberals, they'll talk about how that you can get closer and closer to God by doing better and doing this. Let me tell you, you'll go straight to hell unless you're born again and saved by grace. And I'm going to preach it till I die. Without Him, you can do nothing. Without Him, the church can't sing and the preacher can't preach because Jesus said it's expedient that I go away. If I go not away, the Comforter will not come. But if I go, I'll send another. And when the Comforter is come, and thank God He came, and He abides, and He empowers, and He seals, and He blesses the church of the living God. Let me tell you something. It's blessed to know the person of the Holy Ghost and to recognize Him and to give glory and honor to Him. A lot of people have abused the work of the Holy Ghost. One lady down in Alabama said to me one night, she had snuff running out of both sides of her mouth, and she came up and said, Brother Mace, I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I said, I can see it running out your mouth, honey. Amen? Now you, that lady had been misinformed. I believe you have to clean up before God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Say amen. I believe that. And we need to recognize that. But the Spirit, first of all, before you're saved, you know what He does? He convicts you. He constrains you. He makes you miserable. I want to tell you, you'll get so miserable before you get saved. Listen, they don't have to drag you down an aisle. You'll come running and saying, I'm lost and I'm going to hell, Brother Mason. I want to be saved. But the Spirit of God converts you. Oh, I'm saved. Thank God. I've been born again. Not of the things of this world. And I'm born again. Not of corruptible seed. But I'm born again, my friends, tonight by the sweet Spirit of God. And what a blessing it is to know. And it's a blessing to realize the power of the Holy Ghost. I remember several years ago, I was down at Pelham, South Carolina. That's out of Greenville, between Greenville and Greer. And I was a preacher, and the preacher said, let's go out here in the cow pasture next to the church and pray for the power of the Holy Ghost. Well, we had some little Baptist preachers I didn't believe. 
in the filling and the power of the Holy Ghost that they went. And we got out there next town, pastor next to Pelham Baptist Church, and somebody said, Brother Mays, I want you to preach. And I said, well, here we are in the dark. You want me to preach? And I said, all right. And so I quoted Acts 1-8, and ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And I've never been to the Atlanta 500, and I've never been to the Indianapolis 500, and I've never been, Mr. Uh, to one of these racetracks, but I've been to the Holy Ghost 500, and I want to tell you it's a blessing to be where the Spirit of the Lord has liberty. And that night I was a preaching, there's climbing trees, and there's passion me, and I was just a young preacher. I said, God, you call me, but I'm not going to last very long with this wild bunch of preachers. And boy, there's a passion me, climbing trees, and a lady across the street over there, she belonged to the church, and believed it ought to be quiet and reverence. And you say, well, preacher, I believe in reverence. You know, the most reverent thing you've ever seen in a church is a corpse. That's the most reverent thing you've ever seen. He won't say amen, and he won't do anything. And some people like it like that. Well, I want you to tell, I told you 42 years ago that Mays Jackson got saved with a crowd that preached the Holy Ghost and the power of the Spirit, and I haven't changed. I believe it more tonight than I believed it way back there. But uh, as I was out there preaching, those preachers running around me, uh, a lady across the street, she became nervous, and she called the highway patrol in Greer and said, Help! Help! And the sergeant said, What's wrong, ma'am? She said, There's a bunch of Baptist preachers running wild down here in the cow pasture. You know what she said? What he said? The sergeant said, Lady, I can't do anything about it, but if they get in the highway, you call me and I'll arrest them for speeding, bless God. And he was sorry for that lady, and he said, I'll send a car down. And so he sent a patrol car down. We was out there, and boy, I'll tell you, God was filling preachers with the Holy Ghost, and we was shouting. And that highway patrolman pulled right up next to the cow pasture, cut that little old light on, and when he did, a big old hand of a preacher went up, and he cried, Hallelujah! The Holy Ghost is real. You know what that highway patrolman did? He cut that light off and said, zoom down the road. You say, why? He's scared of the power of the Holy Ghost. Not only some of the Baptist preachers and some of the Baptist people are afraid of the power of the Holy Ghost, mister. That highway patrol was afraid. But I'm glad God calls through the precious Holy Ghost. What a blessing to have the conviction and Jesus said he'll convict you of sin and of righteousness and judgment to come. And mister, he will. And we can't get along without his conviction. You can come and you can program and shin dig and everything else. But till the Holy Ghost takes over Bill in that choir, it'll be dead as four o'clock in the morning. And until the Holy Ghost takes over in the preaching, mister, it's dead. But when he's come, thank God, when he begins to witness, it's a blessing. But not only does God call through the precious Holy Spirit, he calls through the powerful guilt of conscience. You know what your conscience is? That little policeman that God put down there. You say he didn't put it in my heart. Well, you go out here tomorrow and it says 35 speed limit. And you're making 25. 
But a policeman pulls up behind you and you'll drop it back to 15 automatically. You know why? Because your conscience is going to bother you. Brother, you're afraid and you'll drop it back even 10 more degrees. But I'm glad that God gave man a conscience and Cain fell on the ground in Genesis 4 and he beat on the ground and he said, My punishment's greater than I can bear. What was wrong with Cain? Well, nobody's beating him. His conscience was killing him. He killed his brother. He shed his brother's blood. And now he's beating the ground and saying, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Only something else. Bible said in Matthew 14, Jesus was out preaching on the street. And as he was preaching on the street, Herod was living in adultery. Of course, I realize around this place, it's not popular to preach on adultery. But bless God, I'm going to preach on it whether it's popular or not. Amen? I still believe what I believed years ago. I believe that God made one man for one woman. And when the fellows tell you it's all right for a preacher to be married nine times, I don't believe a word of it. Brother, I believe that a pastor and a evangelist or anybody else that preaches in the Word of God ought to have one wife and one wife only. One wife only. What a blessing. But here's Herod, and he looks out the window, and he's scared. He sees Jesus preaching. And he said, John the Baptist had his head cut off. But he's risen from the dead. And he's come back to haunt me. Let me say, that was his conscience. And conscience is a terrible thing. A powerful tool tonight. But God calls through the power of a guilty conscience. Number four. God calls, mister, not only through the power of guilty conscience, but God calls, my friend, through personal sorrow. There'll come a time in your life When you'll have personal sorrow, your son will break your heart, your daughter will break your heart. Something will happen in your family and you'll go through great sorrow. Oh, how sad that is. The Bible said in John 11 that Lazarus died. And Jesus came over four days later. He was right on time. Somebody said, preacher, I don't believe that Jesus ever been late. He makes you, he makes you think he's late, but bless God, he'll be there on the nick of time. And he came up and he said, Martha, go tell Mary, the master has come and he calleth for thee. And I'll tell you, in that time of personal sorrow, God will call you that time when death comes in your home, that time when evil stalks your home. I'm glad Jesus will be there on time and in your personal sorrow, He'll call you. What a blessing it is that God calls through personal sorrow. Let me give you something tonight. I believe this will help you. Years ago, I was preaching down in South Carolina to the lower part near Augusta. And a man that always followed me around, and a preacher that had been a good preacher friend, came up to me one night after I'd preached, and he said, Preacher, I didn't like what you said. He said, I don't have but one little boy. My wife can't have another child, and you're not scaring me. I said, Roy, I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm going to preach the truth to you and let God take over. And you'll have to answer to God, not Mace Jackson. Well, that little boy held his daddy's breeches leg. He said, Daddy, you're coming back here, Brother Mace. He said, Never. 
I'll never go back to hear Mace Jackson. But you know what happened seven months later? I was in Dayton, Ohio, in a motel room. My phone rang, and I reached over and picked up the phone, and Roy said, Mays, Roy calling. He said, my little boy was killed yesterday. He said, I came home, and then I got here. I sat down on the mill house porch. I picked up the Augusta Chronicle. I held it up, and while I was reading it, my little boy came running by and said, Daddy, this is Sonny. I want you to get off of the porch and come down. And Daddy, I want you to help me. And he said, I'm tired. I've worked and I can't come down. You just go and have a good time. The little boy came back later and said, Daddy, that ain't what I wanted you to do. I wanted you to go to Sunday school with me Sunday. You said that they made you mad in that Sunday school class. But Daddy, you can go to my class. Little four, five, and six-year-old boys. And Daddy... You'll enjoy it being in my class. He said, you go on, pull that paper, the Augusta Chronicle, back over his eyes. The little boy threw the ball and went over the lawn, down across the highway, connecting Aiken, South Carolina, with Augusta. And that little boy ran after that ball, and two boys, speeding down the highway, saw the little boy and couldn't stop. And Roy was sitting there in the swing, or in the chair, on the porch, and he heard tires squeal, and he looked up, and he saw that little boy hit, and he said, that car knocked him 20 feet, Brother Mays, and I jumped over the rail, and I ran down, my heart breaking, tears streaming down my cheeks, and I picked up that little boy, and there's blood coming out of his nose, and blood coming out of his mouth, and blood coming out of his eyes, and he said, Daddy... Will you go to Sunday school with me next Sunday? He said, I reached over and kissed that little boy, got blood all over me. He said, I'll be there next Sunday. And every Sunday, that little boy died. And he said, Mays, I want you to come preach his funeral. He loved you. And I want you to come preach his funeral. I flew down. I preached the funeral. And after the funeral, he only lived two, uh, about a couple of blocks from the cemetery. And I said to Miss Stewart, I said, where's Roy? She said, he's back down at the grave. And I said, excuse me. And I went out the back door and went down there to that little cemetery. Roy was kneeling on the flowers. And he had his Bible in his hand. And he was singing, where he leaves me, I'll follow. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. And I turned around and went back up to the house. And I went on down, caught an airplane back to Dayton, Ohio. And about two weeks later, Roy called me and he said, Sunday school. I went Sunday. I went down to, to little Sunday's class. And the teacher said, I'm sorry, Brother Roy. We don't have room for you in here. We don't have a chair big enough. Oh, Roy said, I'll sit in Sonny's chair. I'll just put my leg over the chair and listen to you teach. And I'll look up and tell Jesus, tell Sonny that everything's all right. And I'm in Sunday school this Sunday morning. Every year on the little Sonny's birthday, old Roy would go back and kneel down on that grave and sing where he leads me. I'll follow. I'll go where he wants me to go. I'll do what he wants me to do. In personal sorrow, God called Roy. 
He died the other day. He called me and told me that Brother Roy had died in Tennessee. And I said, well, thank God he's there with Sonny now. Thank God he won't have to leave. He's there. God called, but here the Scripture said, because I've called, he refused. And I stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. I'll laugh at you, and I'll mock at you when you call. Mister, if you miss God's last altar call, it's a sad thing. Now, I'm going to ask you a question before I close. How many of you believe when you got saved, it was God's last altar call to you? Raise your hand. Now, folks, I want you to look around. I imagine three-fourths of this congregation has raised their hand. And they said, the day or the night I got saved, I believed it was God's last call, God's last altar call, and I got saved. Brother, I remember when I got saved, I believe it was my last altar call. But thank God I jumped up there in State College, and I praised the Lord that I could call Hendersonville, and we could shout together, because the sheep that was lost had come home. Because I had been so wicked had been saved. I believe it was God's last call to me. And then, immediately, God called me to preach. I told God, I said, I don't look like a preacher. I don't sound like a preacher. I said, every preacher I ever saw fat and bald-headed. God said, go ahead and preach, and I'll accommodate you and give you both. Say, Amen. <laughs> Amen. God's last altar call. I knew that he was calling. Listen, I had a friend, and he was a precious friend of mine. His name was Jackson, and he was a young man, rode a motorcycle, and I've never liked motorcycles since. He went to the same school I went to at Flat Rock. One day he got on that motorcycle, and I walked out, and I said, Jackson, this may be God's last call for you. Please! Don't get on that motorcycle. You know what he did? He got on that motorcycle and speeded down the road. And up there's a curve they call Jackson's Curve. You've heard of it. Coming out of Hendersonville. That boy ran over the edge of Jackson's Curve and was killed. I went down to Shepherd's Funeral Home. I walked over to the casket and I said, I tried to get you to come. I tried to get you to hear the call of God, but you wouldn't hear and I looked in, and I put my hand on his cold hand, and I said, Bye, I won't ever see you again. He missed God's last call, God's last altar call. Are you going to miss it tonight? Every head bowed, every eye closed all over the house. While your head's about and eyes are closed, Brother Bill's getting us a song. In a moment, we're going to stand, we're going to sing. Now, the Bible says, the last time in the Bible, the Spirit and the bride say, come five verses before God closed this book out. He said, I want to give you one more call. And the Spirit and the bride say, come. And he that heareth say, come. And he that's a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him come. Is God dealing with you tonight? Do you have lost loved ones that are going to hell? Are you disturbed about that one tonight that doesn't know God, Father? As we come to the close of the service, I plead the blood over this service tonight. Lord, there may be a young man here. The voice of God's been heard. He knows this may be the last altar call he'll ever have. May he rush down here, repenting of his sins. 
believing that Jesus died for him. And then, Lord, there may be a girl or mother or dad. Speak to every heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand all over the house. We're going to sing this invitation, and it may be God's last altar call. Wouldn't it be awful if Brother Billy got a call tomorrow and somebody said, You know, so-and-so that was there last night, he's in hell. He ran out and missed God's last altar call. It could be God's last altar call. And we're going to sing this number, Brother Billy. 373. And while you turn... I want you to sing loud tonight. Sing prayerfully tonight. Somebody standing next to you may be lost and on his way to hell. Somebody standing next to you may be carrying the greatest burden he's ever carried. While we sing, the altar's open for whatever your need is. Sing with Brother Bill tonight, all right? Everyone sing. Amen. You just mind God to slip right on out, would you come? Gentle day. Amen. Hear my Listen, I'd obey the Lord.